So this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Dawson Wise, and we're joined by Jordan Moore today. Jordan, welcome in. Happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, a great episode ahead of us today as we cover the Vols heading to Rupp Arena tomorrow night in a very big game against Kentucky. We'll give our latest on the NCAA investigation. We'll give our best bets at the end of the hour as well and some great NFL and NBA topics in the second hour. Stay right here on Overtime with us, 865-546-8200, your number. If you want to hop in and join our Friday night edition, um, a great Friday. If weather's great, feels great. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, the Vols, the fifth-ranked Tennessee Vols, travel north to Rupp Arena to face the tenth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats Saturday night in Lexington. And tip-off is set for 8:30 p.m. Uh, the matchup between the Vols that come into this one at 15 and five and five and two in SEC play, and the Wildcats who come in at 15 and five as well, but five and three in SEC play, uh, features two teams coming off losses at home. Uh, Tennessee's last-ranked win on the road uh, came during the 2019-20 season against Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Um, quick Kempom ranking rundown real quick. Uh, UT ranked 6th overall, 31st in adjusted offense, 2nd in adjusted defense. Kentucky comes in at number 23 overall, 10th in adjusted offense, and 74th in adjusted defense. Guys, we'll welcome, welcome you guys into the conversation now. Uh, what are the keys to the game for the Vols? Dawson, we'll begin with you. Yeah, a few things. Uh, number one is take the crowd out of it early. Uh, you want to set the tone in this game. How many times? I mean, we've done game previews for you know several weeks since we, we got back in in the new year, and every single time we say set the tone early. Uh, it's especially key in a, a game in Rupp. Uh, where the atmosphere is going to be uh, beyond hostile. Uh, Kentucky fans do not like Tennessee. Tennessee does not like Kentucky. We know how this rivalry works, especially on the hardwood in basketball. Um, so take them out of it. Minimize their effect. Do it early. Uh, that's going to be huge. Um, just They're never going to be fully out of it, not up there. Uh, but just minimize what they can do, how they can affect uh, what you do. Play your game. Set the tone. That'll be huge. Uh, aggressive defense. Force turnovers. We say this every time, too. Fly mm-hmm. around and make plays. Don't play timid because you're playing in a big environment. Take that as a sign to play more aggressive. 
because you want to take the crowd out, because you want to make plays. Let that energy fire you up. Go out there and play aggressive defense. We'll talk about the perimeter. You're going to need it the most on the perimeter mm-hmm. uh, in tomorrow's game. And the third one, you need your role players. It's no longer, well, we, we'd like to see these guys get back in. No, you're going to have to have these yeah. guys tomorrow. Uh, there's no choice anymore for, for Vescovy, for James, for Ziegler, for Adu, for Ganey, for these guys that you know are alongside Dalton Connect, if you will, but they, they need to be – Bigger than they have been yep. uh, in the past couple weeks. Uh, in a game like this, on the road, you're going to need double digits out of a few of them, I would think. Probably Ziegler, Vescovy need to be in double figures. I would think Ganey would be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need a good performance down low from Adu. You need yep. to control the paint. Um, so you need, need, need those guys tomorrow. Yeah, those are three really good points. I definitely agree with point number one. You can't you can't go up there and allow them to jump out on you at a decent margin early uh, to allow that crowd to be noisy and mm-hmm. pumped up the entire game. Um, you need you need to keep this a close game throughout. Um, a big key to me, since it's you know at Rump, this has been talked about all day today. Is you know you got to stay out of foul trouble, mm-hmm. uh, especially Adu in the post. Um, but and the problem is Tennessee all season long has. They've not been able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're not very good at, at staying out of foul trouble. Uh, it does it two things. One, you know, it limits the amount of minutes that Adu can play. And clearly, as we've seen, he's your most vital post player. Mm-hmm. And two, it puts Kentucky at the free throw line and allows them to generate easy points. So you got to stay out of foul trouble. And three, I think you know you just got to get back to to the type of offense you were playing and the shots you were making before the game on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, those if you do those three things, you're at minimum going to be in this game to the very last second. Yeah. Um, and if you can do a few things on defense to to limit Kentucky doesn't shoot a lot of threes but when they do shoot them they go in mm-hmm. um, so if you can get some hands on their faces and get up in them and not allow them to knock down their fair share um, that gives you a chance to really come out of rough with a victory yeah uh, to me I think the first and most important thing is getting the role players involved I think every time Tennessee's lost this year um, you've seen inferior uh, performances from your your supporting cast Um Someone we talked about yesterday provided by Jordan, um, Josiah Jordan-James in the four losses, uh, 6.4 points per game, uh, averaging less than one assist, um, just six rebounds, two steals, but his numbers shooting-wise are terrible, uh, 38% from the field, uh, a staggering 19% from the three-point line, um, shooting 83% from the line only on six attempts. But uh, those kind of performances cannot happen in a game like this where you're going on the road, very ruckus environment, a rivalry game. You've got to have production from your Viscovies, your Zieglers, your Josiah Jordan-James, uh, Ganey, Adu, all those guys. doesn't have to be a, a Dawn Connect 30-burger. It just needs to be something that's going to help this team win because uh, you can't have – uh, you know, Don Connect the other night had, had what, 31 points, 30-some points, yeah. and the rest of the sporting cast had... 28. 28. Can't have that. Can't have that. No. Um, so, especially on the road, it's important to get production from everyone, but the guys I'm still looking for are the veterans on this team, the guys that have been on the road before. This is uh, this is a no- another trip for them, um, and, and that's Viscovi and Josiah Jordan-James. They've got to play well in this spot because they've been there before. They know how to handle this. And we've seen better production from Vescovi as of late. Three straight games of scoring in double digits. That's great. 
It doesn't have to be something flashy, just productive. And that's one thing I'm looking for from the, uh, I guess, my first uh, takeaway uh, or keys to the game, I should say. Uh, the second one, y'all both hit on it, is controlling the pace on the road. Uh, you can't let Kentucky get out to an early lead and put this game away just due to the energy um, in that arena. And you've got to be able to come with a counterpunch early. Just, hey, you know, let's let's get into our rhythm. Let's get into um, the way we play. You can't let the other team set the tone at home. Home. Um, and finally, you're going to need Don Connect to be Don Connect again. I mean, you're going to need a performance from him uh, if he wants to be in the uh, in the uh, conversation for the Player of the Year. This is the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Going on the road against a top ten team, he's already done it before this season um, in a game where Tennessee really struggled defensively. Um, but he's already shown he can do it. Let's do it again. Uh, finally. Uh, defense has got to be honed in on. That's got to be the biggest key to the game, in my opinion, outside of getting that production from the rest of your uh, supporting cast. This is a team that shoots the three ball at a very high clip. We'll talk more about it here in a second. Shooting 40% on the year. Top six in the nation. You cannot allow these open shots that they've allowed against South Carolina. Uh, a lot of times against Vanderbilt. Um, if those shots go in, wh- who knows where that Vanderbilt c- game could have gone. Uh, against Georgia on the road, you allowed a plethora of threes to a, a middle-class team uh, shooting-wise from the three-point line in Georgia. Can't allow that in a game like this. Those are my four keys to the game. Um, let's get back into Dalton Connect, however. In five road games at UT, uh, Connect is averaging 31 points per game while shooting 62% overall and 47% from deep. Those kind of numbers are insane. Uh, Does Connect have to do it all for the Vols to win tomorrow? He shouldn't. He has a fully capable team around him. You know, we know how talented this group is. They're ranked where they are in the Ken Palm rankings for a reason. Uh, You know, they. That these are not average players around him. These are skilled players that can all find their own ways to score, and you're going to need to have that alongside a good effort, like you said, from Connect tomorrow um, to even be in this game, let alone win this game. Mm-hmm. Even to be in this game, I think you're going to need a good effort from those guys. Um, so he does not have to do it all. He should not. Uh, now we saw, unfortunately, in the last five or so minutes against South Carolina, that's what it resorted to. Yeah, You can't do that against Kentucky. No. You can't. felt like we were just forcing it, and everybody was giving it to Dalton and then back off and let him do his thing. Hopefully he scores. Uh, and I mean, to be fair to his credit, he did. Now, that's at home against South Carolina, not on the road at Rub. So you can't expect that out of him. You got to hit big shots. If you're Zakai Ziegler, if you're Ganey, if you're Vescovy, you got to hit your, hit your moments um, and help him out. Again, you don't need huge nights out of those guys, but you, you can't be forcing it to Dalton Connect. That's just, that's just not going to work. Mm-mm. Yeah, this can't be the stand around and watch Dalton Connect show no. tomorrow night. Like you have, you have to get production from your other other players, uh, your veteran players. Sakai has to show back up after going for you know 0 for 6 the other night. Adu needs to show back up and you know hit his rim shots that he didn't make the other night. But I will say, seeing what Dalton Connect has done on the road this season, going for 37 at North Carolina in mm-hmm. that environment, it's going to yeah. be a similar environment. Um, He's put up a lot of points against some really good defenses. Yeah. I mean, he scored 32 the other night against South Carolina, who's a legit defense. Mm -hmm. And now he's going and playing a a team that's not very good on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been thinking all week long, you know, we wanted him to go for 40 a few weeks ago. Yeah. This is a recipe for him to go for 40. Yeah. Because this defense is not very good. Um, And it may result, as you talked about, and – if nobody shows up, it maybe comes the Don't Connect show. Maybe he has to go for forty to keep yeah. ten, to ten, uh, keep Tennessee in the game. So, and it, you know the National Player Award has been a hot topic mm-hmm. in this area with him and Zach Eady. If, if he wants to climb up that list and make it a real discussion, yeah, go for forty. 
yeah. against Kentucky and Rupp. Yeah. And it's going to be a national storyline for the entire mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Kentucky 74th in adjusted defense, uh, nothing special. Um, so I, I don't think Connect necessarily has to do it all because you would hope that these other guys get involved as well, like we talked about in that first segment, or the first question, I should say. Um, but look, if it comes down to it and you've got to find a way to win that game, let them go. But one of the things I did not like on Tuesday is how the other team just kind of, or how Tennessee just kind of sat around and watched Connect um, do his thing. You know, uh, weren't really involved, just kind of sat back and said, save us, save us, Dalton, save us. Uh, they've got to be involved and ready to shoot if, if, if given the opportunity. Be be ready to make a play as well. Be aggressive. I get you've got a great player and don't connect, but you can't let that uh, take away what you can do on your own. You're a college basketball player. You can make a play. Um, so I don't think Connect has to do it all, but I do think he has to have a big performance um, because this is a tough game, a tough environment to win, and he's already shown that he can play well in these spots. You need a guy like that to replicate that in a game like tomorrow night. Um, so doesn't have to do it all, but does need to have a big performance and has to hope that the supporting cast can get going as well. Yep. Um, UT is 7-3 in its last 10 games versus top 10 foes with Zakai Ziegler averaging 13 points in those games and 8.7 points per game in those losses. Uh, how important is it for Ziegler to respond after a really rough outing against South Carolina well, at Kentucky? It's crucial. You can't have him replicate that again. No. Uh, I don't think you win this game if he replicates that. Uh, I think he's probably your second option in terms of scoring in this game. Uh, I, he, prevents, he provides excuse me, a multi-level threat, just like Dalton Connect does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can drive to the rim, finish at the rim. He can hit big shots from deep, uh, and that's going to be huge, I think, for the Vols and just having another option to go to. Say, hey, you know what, Zakai, hit a shot, hit a bucket. Go get us a bucket and keep us in the ball game. Um, as a shooter, we know what he provides, the, the momentum shots that he hits from way downtown that just, mm-hmm. oh, how did he hit that shot? Yeah, yeah. Um, but also his ability as a playmaker. You're going to need him as a playmaker as well. Um, very good at, at running the offense, dictating the flow of the offense, mm-hmm. getting guys open, hitting passes down low. Maybe he gets a pass down low to Adu. Maybe they run the pick and roll a little bit. Adu gets involved on that. Maybe he can get Dalton Connect open, ball handle a little bit, and say, all right, now DK, go get open, and I'll, I'll find you, and we'll get you an opportunity. Um, so you need him as a shooter. I think you also are going to need him almost more as a playmaker to just facilitate the offense. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You, you need Zakai to have a bounce-back game. I mean – that might have been his worst performance as a Tennessee Law the night against South Carolina. Um, you know, you mentioned that they're Kentucky's 74th in adjusted defense. Since SEC play, they're 99th. Yeah. So they're mm. even worse in conference mm-hmm. play. Um, but yeah, you definitely need Zakai. You need him to be a playmaker again. Um, and even then, you need him on the defensive end, too. I mean, you know, Kentucky's really, really good on the offensive end. So you need Zakai to be that pest um, mm-hmm. and getting yeah. up in their guards and creating turnovers and creating steals. Kentucky's, you know, they don't turn the ball over that much. Um, so you need to create some turnovers uh, and get you some easy points, you know, in transition and in, in, in the fast break. But you definitely need Zakai to step up and, and hit his shots again. Even, you know, I've been saying this with this team a lot, you know, especially with, with the veteran players. I'm not. You know, Vescovy hadn't shot that great, you know, to his career average. Josiah definitely has not been shooting the ball mm-hmm. very well. Um, I'm not going to ding guys for missing contested shots. You know, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But if you're wide open, like, you've got to hit your fair share. I mean, mm-hmm. the other night, you know, against South Carolina, the very first play of the game, Josiah's corner three wide open. Mm-hmm. Nobody around him. Clank. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, Vescovy, the air ball, wide open. Mm-hmm. They got to knock those down. Zakai, you know, tomorrow night, if he's open, knock them down, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and that they just need to get back to shooting the way they were shooting earlier in the season. And I think, you know, it's a recipe for Tennessee to, to go get another ranked uh, win on the road.
Yeah, obviously, I'd, I'd love to see his playmaking and offense get going. But I think defensively, I think, is where he can be the bo- the most help, especially against some really good guards, really good shooting guards for Kentucky. Um, you know, Shepard, Dillingham, making those guys' lives a little bit harder around the perimeter. And that really goes into perimeter defense as a whole, something Tennessee has to do well on, on Saturday. Uh, but I'd love to see Ziegler's defense be the main factor. I think um, he's a guy that's a, just, as you said, a pest. Um, and, and if you're a pest against some of these younger players, a lot of young guys for Kentucky, that's how they get thrown off their game early. So just kind of making those plays that makes them a little uncomfortable I think goes a long way. And then after you get some of that defensive momentum, that's where it translates back to offense, having that confidence, making those plays, and finding your shot. I think Ziegler, if he's able to get it done on the defensive side, he can also get it done offensively. Um, Kentucky is sixth in the country in three-point percentage, shooting 40%. Um, How worrisome – is the Vols' defense on the perimeter against one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. It it scares me a little bit, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, You know, again, they don't shoot a lot of threes. You know, they're not heavy on it, but when they shoot, they go in Mm -hmm. uh, at a very high rate. Um, And so for a Vols' defense, it's allowed so many open looks. Uh, You can't give them any open looks uh, because, you know, they may only take – you know, eight, nine, ten threes per game. But if you give them six open looks, they're probably going to knock them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could turn the game. This game could get out of hand. They hit a couple open threes. The crowd gets into it. It gets noisy. All of a sudden, you're down six, seven, eight points, and it's out of hand. Uh, and that can snowball in a hurry, as we've seen already with Tennessee. When when the lead starts to grow, they panic a little bit. Oh, here, yeah. here you go, Dalton Connect, get us back yeah. in the game. Yeah. And and from there, it just snowballs. Uh, this is where your veteran guys are important, I think. We, we said this for South Carolina as well. Uh, your guys like Vescovy and James and Ziegler that are so good defensively and can be pests out mm-hmm. on the perimeter, you need that tomorrow, big time. Guard the shooters. Make them beat you inside. Make, make them have to go make a play at the basket. Don't give them open looks. If they're making contested looks, like you always say, okay. I mean, you've done everything you can do. At least you're playing good defense out there. Yeah. But just don't hand them freebies, especially in this game. You can't afford it, uh, and you're not going to win the game if you start giving them open looks. Mm-hmm. Jordan? Yeah, I mean, we discussed this the other night about the South Carolina game. We gave mm-hmm. them seven open look threes, mm-hmm. which is four yep. above you know the game average through the season. Usually we give up about three a game. Um, on the season, in our four out of five losses, the opposing team has shot 33% or better from three. Um, so And then you, as Tennessee, you've shot 30% or worse in your four out of five mm. losses. Yeah. Um, so it comes down to it's, – it's, the NBA game is trickling down to the college game. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about the three-point line at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Tennessee has to get back. They had, up until the South Carolina game, they had done a pretty good job of defending the three-point line. They were one of the best three-point defenses in the country. Yeah. Um, and then they got away from them in the South Carolina game. They let them shoot their average. So you got to get back to getting – you know closing out on the three-point shooters. Don't let them have that many – open looks, get back to only giving up mm-hmm. two or three, um, and, and try to get them to shoot below their season average. I mean, they're at 40%, so you need to get them down to 34 33% somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. well below their average. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of worrisome just because of the way we play defense the other night. They just need to fit. I think that's probably what, besides that offensive performance, as you guys talked about, you know, with the defense uh, on Wednesday night, I, that's, I would bet that's what Rick preached. All week long yeah. is the defense, defense, defense. Because he knows that offensive performance, missing those easy shots, that's probably you know a rarity with yeah. this team. So I, I would say the the thing they they focused on this whole week is getting back to having that perimeter defense the way it was before the South Carolina game. Yeah, for the people that have listened to us here for a couple of weeks now, it's been one of the main points of emphasis from us. It's been perimeter defense has got to be improved. 
and it goes back to the UNC game when you allowed UNC to get out uh, to a really nice lead at home early because they had a lot of open shots and a, a lot of open threes, that is. And even against Illinois, a really good team. They were able to get a lot of open shots, just didn't fall. And then Georgia, Vanderbilt, just the the – the, the trend of allowing open shooters has been very high this year. Um, and, and against a team like this, especially when they're playing at home on their own goals, very comfortable situation for them, uh, you cannot allow them to get open looks. It's all, it all comes down to communication and fundamentals. You know, switching off of screens, knowing your personnel. Uh, you cannot allow Reed Shepard to have a heyday. Um, that guy will make you pay. Rob Dillingham will make you pay. They got a yep. lot of guys on that roster that will make you pay for a wide open three, yeah. and you cannot allow that. Um, so look, if, if that means you go over and 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 kind of give up the the inside or, or that middle ground area and around the uh, mid range area, so be it. Um, but you cannot lose the three point battle against a team that's very successful with nope. it. Um, real quick, um, Tennessee favored one and a half tomorrow night. Are we surprised by that? Uh, yeah, and I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't like being favored in these bigger road games. Um, I, I just. You know, I, I hate going in being favored by a point and a half. I mm-hmm. guess they do expect some bets to come in on Kentucky. I would not be surprised in the slightest. Um, but I just, I don't know. It scares me a little bit. Yeah, I want to add one thing. Um, you are talking about Kentucky's mid-range game. The the anomaly for them this season is they're actually shooting very, very well in the mid-range. They're 10% above the D1 average mm-hmm. in the mid-range. Now, my curiosity is, that's, is that going to keep up the rest of the season? Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, that's hot shooting from the mid-range. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I would make them shoot that shot. You know, because mm-hmm. if they're going to hit that shot, obviously the analytics and the stats bear it out. Yes. Give them that shot. Yes. You know, you would rather them shoot 45% from that that spot than 45% from three. Exactly. Um, so I would give that to them, even though they've been hot there this year, to see if they can keep that up. But as far as the one-and-a-half-point spread – it doesn't really surprise me because, I mean, they're sticking to what they've seen, which is Tennessee has been the better basketball team all season long, mm-hmm. and Kentucky does have problems on the defensive end. So that the one-and-a-half doesn't really surprise me. Um, you know, I, I feel confident going into the game. I, you know, I, I think – as, as we see with a lot of the betting lines and everything, they, they're not going to take a one-game sample size and, and dictate that's no. what they're, – they're going to take the entire season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much what they're doing here. So I can understand why it's at one and a half because, I mean, everything every analytical thing you look at says Tennessee is the better basketball team. Yeah, and I think they've proven that for a majority of the season. Now, obviously Tuesday was a really bad performance, but I think it's one of those anomalies where you shoot just really poor – um, and I think this is a good bounce back spot, a bounce bounce back opportunity at, at least. Um, and I think the the books think it as well. And we'll just have to see. Let's head to the phones eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Your number if you want to hop in and join us. We've got Patrick on the line. What's up, Patrick? Hey, what do you say, guys? How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm just driving home from the office. There you go. Enjoying the. Uh, the banter about the Tennessee-Kentucky game. A big one. I think it's going to be an excellent basketball game. I think both Kentucky and Tennessee were looking past their midweek opponents yeah. Yeah. To, um, to this matchup. I, I'm really quite impressed. I was talking to a, uh, another attorney today, and he had on a Carolina hat. <laughs> um, I, 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 had to, I had to gig him a little bit about that Tennessee, Kentucky is getting top billing over North Carolina and Duke. Yeah. And who would have thought that, right? I know. Yeah, it's it's some, you know, we touched on it yesterday. Um, just shows that, 
Tennessee, or just really the SEC, how good the SEC has turned into now, where you've got a lot of really good teams, and now you've got a matchup between two top ten teams and one of the best players in the country, and he happens to be playing for the Tennessee Vols and not Kentucky. Um, and, and I think it's really cool there um, and, and the fact, and I think ESPN knows that as well. You know, my biggest concern with the game tomorrow is how the, the number of switching and they switch one through five. Yeah. And that just doesn't work when you've got a point guard that's five nine and and then the backup is six six one and doesn't weigh hundred and eighty five pounds. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And then, and they seem to be when they give, they've given up this open shot. And that's been going on for several years under Barnes. It's, I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's the switching rather than, you know, the, the offside help. Because what it looks like is, is the defender is late. Yeah. Going over and, 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 and in um, Ziegler's case, he's just jumping, and they wait and have an easy look at the shot. So, yeah, I mean, at least we know Kentucky's defense isn't very good. No, so yes, yeah, so it should be a great game. Yeah, it should. I, th- I think you definitely have the advantage uh, against Kentucky's defense. I think Tennessee has proven this year um, that they're a, a really, a really good offense, at least in the SEC. Um, and and a lot of that is attributed to Dalton Connect and how special he is. But um, Patrick, one thing we were harping on early was you know you've got to get production from uh, the supporting cast and Viscovi and Josiah Jordan James. And one thing Jordan has really harped on uh, for a couple weeks now is the lack of aggression from Josiah. Um, you know, early on right. in, in um, out of conference play. You know, Josiah, I loved when he was right there at the nail at the free throw line, and he kind of had an option. He could either take that shot at the free throw line or take a dribble and drive in and lay it up, and he was really aggressive. I loved it. And we were uh, very outspoken about how we uh, thought, you know, Josiah Jordan-James had turned a leaf and really had his best start to a season during his time at Tennessee. And now in SEC play, we've really seen a regression. He hasn't really been as involved or aggressive um, so I think that's got to be something you see from a couple of these guys tomorrow. Be aggressive. I get Don Connect is special, but that doesn't mean you waive your rights to play offense. You know, you've got to continue to to make the defense defend you to where they're all, not all just watching Connect and knowing where where it's going. Um, because in that South Carolina game with four minutes left, everyone in the gym knew who was going to take the shot for Tennessee. And you had guys with their hands in their pockets and, and sitting around watching. You can't have that on any offense in college basketball, let alone a top-10 team in Tennessee. Um, so you've got to get production tomorrow from your from your other guys. And uh, defensively, yeah, I think the, the off-ball and, and, and offside help as well has been terrible as well. A lot of um, – especially the swing passes have really hurt Tennessee this year when they're able to swing right. it around one time and hit the corner. I feel like the corner has been the, the biggest problem. A ton of open corner shots this season. Um, so you've got to polish that up. And I, I don't know what it is. If, this, if it continues to go on, you've got to wonder, is Barnes just not seeing the same thing we are? I, I don't know. Um, but that's got to be something that's fixed. That's a very amateur uh, amateur problem to have. 
Well, it's a problem that's gone on for several years. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the ball watching from the seniors, I've got two comments on that. I wonder, though, are we seeing the, the reversion back to the old Triple J? And I don't mean not, not a good player, but I, I mean from an injury standpoint. We, we're about to reach, if haven't reached, the midpoint of the season – you know, he, he's had nagging injuries throughout his career. And, you know, he's played quite a bit of the four uh, this year. So perhaps he's just, you know, lost a step, lost a, a little bit of the bounce. But, you know, they, they do have a tendency sometimes to ball watch because Connect, who doesn't want to watch it? And, but I'll tell you this. I would rather see them struggle through this now. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago when, when Dalton wasn't performing at this level, when he kind of regressed after that injury, that these guys need to learn how to play together and they've got to work through these issues yeah. together. Dalton's had not have been on the roster for a year. And I would rather see them make those mistakes, make those, and their mental mistakes to a certain degree, than to see them not be able to, you know, overcome those or address those until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I because because what have we seen from Barnes? Great regular season, regular season, Rick. Get to the tournament, you're not going to beat someone who's a better seed. And oftentimes you're going to lose to someone that you shouldn't lose to. Yeah. Um, so, and before I go, I know you guys probably need to hit a break. When you talk about this TRO, this motion for a TRO, and I sent you some notes. Yeah. But one thing you want to pay attention to on page six when you go to a break is the standard for granting a TRO. Okay. Um, substantial likelihood on the merits, irreparable harm, um, and the irreparable harm, just so you know, it's not monetary. It is some unique harm that can't be quantified by money. Because yeah. if it's just money, then it's not irreparable because money's replaceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also on the on right above on the, the really the first paragraph on the page is kind of hidden where they seek restitution where they are not only wanting the the court to stop the NCAA from applying these rules whatever those are mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a booster type argument but they're also saying restitution in that they want the court to go ahead and rule that you cannot punish players who have accepted NIL. Yeah. Or what the NCAA is going to call, you know, the recruiting violations, this, this, that, and the other, the, the extra benefit. Um, but, but that's a kind of a, a interesting, and I just noticed that later this afternoon. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Um, so that, so that so is it's interesting. So, in a sense, that is basically saying they cannot punish Nico. Uh, for the like, let's say they try to suspend him for a year or something like that. They're they're not able to do that. That's what they're seeking, correct? Right. Yeah. And I had not seen that the first time I read through. I was just 
literally reading maybe the first sentence of every paragraph. Sure. Um, but uh, it's it's really fascinating, and you know this is on, on a quick calendar. You've got the dates, um, but uh, I'm going to jump off here. I've got to um, make a few other phone calls. So you guys have a good night. Hey, thank you so much, Patrick. We appreciate your call. Have a good weekend. Um, yeah, we'll dive into the NCA investigation here in the in the next segment. Uh, real quick before uh, we head to the break. Uh, do the Vols pull the upset tomorrow in Lexington? Dawson, we'll begin with you. I think they do. I think they find a way. Uh, I think Dalton Connect, this is his opportunity to really burst onto the national scene and, and kind of make this a discussion between himself and Zach Eady. Uh, he's primed for one of these big games, leading his team, willing his team to a win, um, where we like to talk about that uh, in uh, – I can't remember – what we were talking about, we, we talked about someone willing their team to a win a couple weeks ago. This, I cannot remember, was it the NFL? It's probably my, uh, Might have been Mahomes, Mahomes willing or, his way to a win. Yeah, maybe. This is his moment to do that, I think. Uh, and, and, you know, I think he gets just enough from the supporting cast to get over the hump, and, and he has a legendary performance tomorrow. Jordan? Yeah, I still think Tennessee wins the game. I was, even after that game uh, the other night against Arcana, I still thought that Tennessee would go up there and win this game. Um, I've been, you know, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, and I've been contemplating it all week. I think this is, I think tomorrow night is the night Dalton gets forty. Like, really? I think, I think he gets forty. I think it's a national story. You know, all day Sunday, next week, uh, it becomes a discussion for the national player of the year. Um, I think Tennessee goes up there and gets the win, and you see one of the all-time greatest performance in Tennessee basketball history from Dalton Connect. Man. I think he has a big, big knock. Man, let's hope. That would be fun. Uh, yeah, I think Tennessee uh, definitely has the opportunity to pull the upset. Um, I think when it comes down to, especially if it's a close game like these games usually are, um, I, I think it comes down to the closer. And Tennessee has a more definitive closer than Kentucky does. Um, Dillingham has been really good in, in late moments so far this season, but he's a little erratic, kind of puts up some, some shots that uh, maybe are not the highest percentage shots that just go in, and you can't really bank on that consistently. Um, so I, I think Connect has shown a, a plethora of different ways to find a shot and find his shot in a, in a closing moment. Um, so I think if it comes down to a, a tight game where you need a shot, I think Tennessee has the advantage of a closer there over Kentucky. Um, it's going to be a great game. We'll uh, talk about it on Monday. Um, but I think we're all here saying that I think we, we think that Tennessee can get it done tomorrow night. When we come back, we'll give you the latest on the NCAA investigation. Stay right here on Overtime. Attention Fan Run listeners. This is Bob Baskerville. Make sure to come check out the Fan Run Morning Show with me and John Reed, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. on 1340 a.m., 105.7 FM, and the Fan Run app. It's your morning go-to for the latest that's happening in the world of sports on Rocky Top and around the country. So join us every morning on Fan Run Radio. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. 
Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Are you in need of a smile makeover? Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Costa at Knoxville Smiles. And if you're ready to improve your smile, replace teeth that are missing, make your dentures tighter, add implants to your mouth, whatever you may need, we're here to discuss a wide range of easy, pain-free cosmetic and restorative procedures that can create a glowing, radiant smile that you've always dreamed of. Don't wait any longer. The time is now. Call us today at Knoxville Smiles and schedule your appointment at 865-539-1776 or go online to KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit RogersHydrantService.com. Back here on Overtime on a Friday night here in Knoxville, Tennessee. All right, uh, NCA investigation. Let's give the latest. Now, if you've been tuning in with us all week, uh, we've I've tried to constantly update everyone on the situation. So I'll give the full, I guess, day-to-day real quick, and we'll dive into the new revelations that we um, have learned today. Uh, Tuesday, it was reported that University of Tennessee is immersed in another NCA investigation of potential rules uh, and a violation that is, quote-unquote, major in nature. Uh, the violations at the center go against Spire Sports, the uh, collective in- investment group um, that in- deals with NIL for Tennessee and their involvement in Nico Imaliaba's commitment to Tennessee. Uh, we saw clapbacks from UT Chancellor Donde Plowman saying, in short, the NCA is failing. Um, we saw uh, Danny White yesterday clap back as well, saying, quote, I refuse to allow the NCAA to irrationally use Tennessee as an example for their own agendas. Um, we saw the state of Tennessee and Virginia filed an antitrust case against the NCAA. Uh, just talked about it a little bit with Patrick, uh, basically saying you cannot penalize the players um, for the NIL, um, whatever you want to call it, the NIL problem we have in college football Um, and then today uh, we received the motion for the temporary restraining order order filed by Tennessee and Virginia against the NCAA which we covered a little bit with Patrick there um, basically saying um, a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction and joining the NCAA's NIL recruiting ban which would allow this market to function fairly and competitively while this case is pending 
Now, something new today that isn't directly related to Tennessee but does involve them, uh, the SEC and Big Ten are forming a joint advisory group, and it will discuss recent court decisions, pending litigation, governance proposals, and state laws. The goal, the league say, is to take, quote, leadership roles in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. Uh, what does this alliance mean for college football? Dawson, we'll begin with you. Yeah, I think it means the conferences now and institutions within other conferences are starting to realize what the NCAA is doing. Uh, and they're starting to realize that they're overstepping uh, a little bit. Uh, and they want to fight for their student-athletes. They want to fight for you know the freedoms that they have, the, the freedoms that they fought for for so long to get NIL. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden the NCAA says, well, that didn't go how we wanted it to, yeah. so we want to kind of shut it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to start to fight against it. Uh, I think this could be the first step towards a, an independent like athletic programs. I don't know if it's going to be a union yeah. or what it's going to be, um, but I think it's the first step towards that. We've been saying since all this stuff started that this could be the first step towards the death of the NCAA, yeah. as we know it at least. Uh, and I think this alliance is the first step. This is People got to realize it's a lot of schools. It's the Big Ten and SEC. That's 32 schools as of 2024. Excuse me, 34 schools now with Texas and Oklahoma uh, and the four new institutions in the Big Ten. So profitable 34, ones. Yeah, 34 of the most profitable schools yeah. in the country. Uh, all of a sudden have now aligned and say, we don't like what you're doing, so we're going to form our own board to review what you're doing uh, and then take action accordingly. Um, and I think it also says this is not a limited issue. Uh, mm-hmm. This many institutions and two whole conferences have joined on to this alliance uh, to basically not directly join the effort of Tennessee and Virginia, but indirectly, I think. It's a step towards that. Putting their um, foot down. It's, yeah, it's not limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that either the investigations have gotten around already or, or that these schools are worried that they're going to. Uh, mm-hmm. The NCAA is going to start making their rounds here, which has been reported over the over the past week or so since the Tennessee thing has started, um, that there's double-digit schools now under investigation by the NCAA. So uh, I think it means the, the conferences and the schools are realizing it's, it's time for us to group together mm-hmm. uh, to start to fight what the NCAA is doing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this. I think this is the first small step towards uh, these conferences breaking away from the NCA yeah. and creating their own, you know, subdivision or you know whatever you want to name it or call it. You know, I, I would assume that the Big Twelve and maybe the ACC knock on that door and say we want in on this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're smart, they would. Um, it's the NCA created a problem. Because for years we've all have, have seen this coming, that players were going to get paid. It was coming. And yeah. the NCAA just turned their head and acted like it was never coming. And then when the Supreme Court finally said, no, you they're allowed to make this money, it seems to me the NCAA kind of threw a temper tantrum and said, okay, you can do it, and maybe here's two rules to, to put guidelines mm-hmm. in place instead of actually creating some kind of rule yeah. book or regulation or anything. And now they're two to three years down the line, and now they want to go back and make this big rule book and try to enforce a rule book retroactive to three years, you can't do it. No. And that's what Tennessee and all these schools and, and the state of Virginia and the state of Tennessee, that's what they're all saying is mm-hmm. you should have created these rules three years ago. Yeah. You shouldn't have come to the table now after you let the toothpaste out of the tube and try to put the toothpaste back in. You yeah. should have done that from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know – we all knew this was coming. We all knew a lawsuit was coming at some point, whether it was this year or down the line. This is where this was going to get to the boiling point. I just never thought that Tennessee would be take the first step. At, at the yeah. center of it. And, yeah. and it, it, I love it. It has shocked me. Um, I love what, what we're doing. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 
older than you guys, you know, I I remember the 90s and the, and the 2000s. And to me, from Danny Watt to Plowman to Boyd, this is from the bottom to the top, the most in line, yeah. best leadership that the athletic department and this university has had in my lifetime. And I'm proud after all these years of the incompetent chancellors, the incompetent athletic directors, the incompetent presidents that we've had that put us in the hole that we're in. I'm just finally proud to say we finally have some fighters and we finally have some smart people in charge Mm -hmm. to understand the landscape of college athletics and what it is to the university as a whole. And it's just proud to see them fight and, and, and do the things and say the things that they're saying at this point. I think the alliance being formed just shows the conferences are fed up with it. They're tired of dealing with it. And they're looking around saying, hey, we've got the most profitable teams in your in college football and a lot of sports as well. We don't need to be told what to do and, and face sanctions and allegations and investigations from you when you're the one that poorly handled this from the jump. Everyone knew athletes would eventually get paid. Yep. And it finally comes into fruition, and the NCAA was not prepared. And they didn't put the rules and regulations in place. And now they're reaping the repercussions of that. Um, and now they're trying to get back at it and say, okay, well, what you did two years ago is actually not okay. And we're going to put you <laughs> under investigations and we're going to penalize you for it. And all the colleges are like, what? You know, wh- what? Well, how are we supposed to be in trouble for something that you did not put in place till after we had already done these negotiations, um, you know, committed with players? Uh, you, how are you doing this? And I think the, the conferences as a whole are fed up with the whole thing, and they're like, why, why do we need some other guy to tell us what to do when we're as big on our own, and let alone we all join together, then they're really in trouble. You know, my reference yesterday was the Avengers assembling. This is It's the same. All the conferences, if you get the Big 12 involved, the ACC involved, I mean, you've got every major conference all together, and it's gonna be hard to beat. Yeah, well, yeah, and add on to it. And I just got a, a text. My dad is, is listening right now, and he added this. I didn't even think about this. Uh, the TV contracts as well. Yes, the TV networks are gonna follow the conferences. Yes. they're not gonna follow the NCAA. Exactly, they're gonna follow the teams in the conferences. Well, exactly. A couple of things. I was thinking about this today, and maybe you guys, you know, have the answer because I haven't really thought of it. Is we all we all talk about the NCAA and how okay they control the March Madness, they control the NCAA tournament. They have mm-hmm. that. That's their thing. They control the baseball tournament. They mm-hmm. they're the ones that set the whole yeah. thing up. They don't control the college football playoff. Nope. No. They don't even no, control don't. the Heisman Trophy. Yep. No. They don't control any of the bowl games. Mm-mm. They don't control nope. any of the TV contracts. No. Nope. Why have these universities for decades listened to anything that the NCAA exactly. has to say in football when they have no authority in football? Yeah. I mean, they can sit here and say, well, you're not bowl eligible. What authority do you have to say a team's not bowl eligible when you don't even own the bowl games that teams get put in? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, if somebody says, Tennessee, you can't play in a bowl game, but we're going 11 1 next year and the Orange Bowl wants us, what stops the Orange Bowl from taking Tennessee mm-hmm. in a right. bowl game? Exactly. So I don't understand why these universities for years have had to listen to anything the NCAA's had to say in football when they have no control of football, you know, besides, yeah, some recruiting rules or this and that. But at the end of the day, they're going to tell you you can't play in a bowl game. Well, who says that? Because you don't own the bowl game that I'm going to be playing in. And wasn't James Madison one of those teams this past year? Didn't they apply yes. to try? And they, they tried to get in the NCAA. They, tried, they would they let them and did let them. But they did was, let them as a mess. It was weird, yeah. And then, obviously, you know, there's also the – um, the players being eligible issue. Uh, what was it? Tez Walker, Tez Walker for for UNC. One of the oddest things ever. Midway through the season. Oh, okay. Oh, well, he can well. play now. 
It's just and the, then blamed well, him for it too. And yeah. said, file your papers right next time. Yeah. What authority? What authority do they have to exactly. say a player is eligible or not eligible in football? I can understand if it's an academic thing. Yeah, that's one thing. But in football, I don't understand what authority you have to say this kid or this kid cannot play no. due to certain violations when you have no authority in anything. You have no authority of who the Heisman Trophy is. You have no authority who plays in the college football playoff, the TV contracts, who's on TV, who's not. On. You have zero authority in any of that. Why are you dictating what anything happens, which is why we've been saying this for a while when we've said this on over, overtime in the past. We're going to get to the point to where these conferences break away from the NCAA. They create their own TV contracts. Yeah. They create their own college football superpower conference with it's going to basically become the the a bigger version of the NFL. You're going to separate yep. the haves from the have-nots. There is mm-hmm. no reason yep. why an Alabama or Florida State should be abiding by the same rules as a Valdosta State or a McNeese State in football. Yeah. When yep. there's you're getting two different types of money, two different types of fans and everything. And we're finally getting to that bullet point. And to me today the SEC and Big Ten announcing this joint committee is the first step in getting that going. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the NCAA saying file your paperwork on time. Well, it it took them two years to exactly. get this Tennessee right. situation across their desk, so maybe their paperwork <laughs> isn't great either. And um, I would love just to see, and I'm sure it'll probably come out at some point. It's probably why Tennessee threw up the fight as quick as they did. I want to know what the allegations exactly are. I do too. I want to know what they're trying to because from everything I have read and everything I have heard, Tennessee dotted the I's, they crossed the T's, yep. they have the receipts, they yeah. have everything they need to show and prove. You know, Nico signed his paperwork with Spry in February. Mm-hmm. He didn't get on that plane till March. Right. He was an employee, and his employer rented a private plane to fly him in to do some employee work yeah what does that have anything to do with any kind of violation he's a he's an employee who has signed a contract fulfilling his contract and from what i understand tennessee has the receipt of the plane they rented to fly him in yeah so i don't i would love to know what they're trying to ding tennessee on i did see a report today apparently that the investigation does go beyond football so that perhaps that report was right i guess they're trying to tie in previous investigations with this one specifically into uh, rod clark as an assistant basketball coach and tony vitello uh, and the investigation they did with him with, with Maui and all that stuff that happened last year. I guess they're trying to tie it all together. Uh, that's the report I saw today, at least. So yeah, maybe I, there's more to it than just football. I did see that as well. Um, I, I think they're just – I it really is kind of shocking that they're, I guess, pinpointing Tennessee, one of their biggest brands, right. to do all this to. Um, I guess they're trying to make a statement to the other schools by hitting one of the their bigger ones. Um, but in in my opinion, it's, it's completely fallen – or collapsed right in their face. Absolutely. I mean, they started off by trying to put Tennessee in the corner. Now Tennessee's got 20 guys putting them in the corner. Um, <laughs> and and I think the, the language that was used in all of those um, statements by Spire, by Danny White, by Donnie Plowman were all very, very strong. Absolutely. And the fact that Tennessee has not broken anything, has not broken any rules, has followed everything to a T. And I think the the big, the best statement was from Donnie Plowman yeah. saying, look, we fully cooperated in 2021. We admit when we are wrong. We are not wrong here, and we are willing to go to bat for it. That is what they're doing. And when that came out, 
I and we talked about it on on what was it Tuesday I guess when she put that out. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, you know, I think this is actually a good sign because this kind of uh, enforcement shows that I think Tennessee knows they're actually in the right. And if they're willing to go this far out of the, uh, you know, stretch their neck out this far, that means they know they're right and what they're being accused about is ridiculous. And I think the more and more time uh, has gone on, uh, we've seen more and more strongly worded arguments that totally debunk whatever the NCAA is trying to say here. A couple of things. Number one, why – during this entire NIL situation, Tennessee was already being investigated for the Jeremy Pruitt thing. The yep. NCAA was already on campus. Why would they do anything, knowing that they're already on their campus mm-hmm. investigating things, why would you do anything at all to risk more things being added into the Jeremy Pruitt case yeah. so they could pile more on Exactly. Yeah. Two, I think, you know, I've heard this on a few shows this week, I think because the NCAA is naive and they turn a blind eye to everything and they don't know what's going on. I think they potentially thought, okay, it, Tennessee kind of rolled over and played nice with the Jeremy Pruitt thing. They're going to roll over and play nice with this one, and we're going to get them on this. And I think they completely played their cards wrong. I, I think, you know, as you said, Tennessee believes, and I believe, that they are 100% in the right. They did zero wrong. And from what I've read today, too, apparently – Back in maybe November or December, they had a meeting with Plowman on campus mm-hmm. to kind of inform her of the situation, and she, in a not so politely way, basically told him to walk out that door. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know that that's when this whole lawsuit started getting. I mean, mm-hmm. from what I understand, this lawsuit's been been written up for about two months, and it yeah. coincides with her basically telling him to get out that door and don't come back. Yeah, so. Yeah, a lot of stuff. We've lost track of time real quick. We got to head to a break real quick. Best bets coming up next. Stay right here on Overtime. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows, Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966 3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. 
Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No idea what that is. Um, <laughs> back Thanks here on overtime, our, our best bets here. Um, I'll begin with Iowa minus five and a half. Uh, they're 18th in adjusted offense and hit or hit. Or excuse me, uh, attempt free throws at a 77% rate, one of the best in, in, in basketball. Uh, their pace is polar opposite to Ohio State, should distance themselves in tempo at home. Ohio State 3-7 and seven in conference play, um, has not been good on the road either. One uh, win against Michigan, but we've seen what Michigan is. Um, and then Dane minus 7.5, 16th in adjusted offense efficiency, 14th in effective field goal percentage. They shoot 40% from three. Seventh best in the in college basketball. They can shoot the jeans off of it. Uh, Deron Holmes is second. It's a guy to watch out for, a guy that's going to be uh, one of the player, player of the year candidate in the Atlantic 10, um, averaging uh, almost 20 points a night with eight rebounds per game. Um, Slow-paced game with both these teams uh, playing St. Bonaventure, but the better shooting team at home I'm going to side with, and that's Dane at 7.5. Uh, Akron, minus 4.5. My model has at minus seven a really nice advantage here. Um, Akron a favorite at home after a 31-point win on the road on Tuesday. Um, I like Akron to win here uh, against uh, uh, who is it? <laughs> Toledo, that is. Sorry, a lot of bets here. Um, and then finally, Crane minus 11, uh, high-functioning offense inside and out for the Blue Jays. Um, also another team playing at home. Uh, Butler ranks 263rd in allowed three-point rate this season. Crane gets up a lot of threes. Um, I, I like the contrast in styles here for Crane and their playing at home. My four bets, Iowa 5.5, Dane minus 7.5, Akron minus 4.5, Crane minus 11. I'm going to the big slate tomorrow. A lot of huge matchups tomorrow. And we start with North Carolina, minus four and a half. Home at the Dean Dome against Duke. This is going to be the second rowdiest environment in college basketball tomorrow, probably behind Rupp. Uh, North Carolina coming off a gut-wrenching loss to Georgia Tech on the road in conference play. A bet I lost with North Carolina, by the way. Um, so they, they have a bounce-back spot. I mean, the biggest bounce-back spot, probably one of the biggest of the college uh, basketball season. They're going to be up for this game. It's a rivalry game. It's at home. I like the heels, minus four and a half here to bounce back in a big way. Houston minus one and a half at Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas. This is a tough one, but Houston, premier defensive team in the country, the best defensive team in the country by ranking. Uh, it's going to be enough to win them this game. I think it's what's going to win this game is defense, uh, especially against an offense like Kansas. If you can shut them down even at all, I think you're going to walk away with a win. Houston, I think they're going to make a statement in in, uh, in Lawrence here and go go get a win against the Jayhawks. Last one for me was a surprising line. South Carolina plus one and a half at Stegeman against the Georgia Bulldogs. 
still just an underranked team. I don't get it. Uh, after South Carolina beats Kentucky and Tennessee in a week's time, they're still dogs on the road against the dogs in Georgia. So uh, I like the Gamecocks plus one and a half. I feel like they're going to win that game outright uh, more than just cover uh, and maybe win pretty convincingly. Yeah, uh, I won't go over this one much because you already covered it, William, but I'm going to take Dayton to cover tonight uh, in their game. And then I'm also going to take Princeton to bounce back. They lost their last game. They're playing Yale, who's won six in a row. These teams are very similar. Uh, It's Princeton plus three and a half. I'm going to take them to cover the three and a half. I'm not comfortable taking them on the money line because Yale has been playing very well recently, but I think this is a very close basketball game tonight. Tune in. It's on ESPNU. It should be a fun game to watch. Princeton's one of the best offenses in college basketball. And then my bet tomorrow – uh, is a mid-major game that I'm very, very excited to watch is uh, Drake at Indiana State. Yeah, nice um, one. Drake is yeah. a very, very good team. They beat Indiana State earlier earlier this year, gave them their only conference loss. Um, Indiana State's one of the best offensive teams in basketball, but they're not very good on the defensive end, so it should be a fun matchup. But Indiana State gets it at home in a sellout crowd that's going to be loud and raucous, so I'm going to take Indiana State on the money line. Those are our best bets. We'll see you on the other hour. <laughs>